and welcome to the May 2022 episode of The Seagull. The Seagull is the place to stay up to date on everything you need to know about the 102nd Intelligence Wing at Otis Air National Guard Base, right here from beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I'm Tim Sandlin from Public Affairs, and I will get you up to speed on what's going on here at the Wing. This month's show is packed full. In fact, if it wasn't for the audio compression technology used in creating MP3s, I'm not sure how I would fit all of this content into a single hour. Speaking of digital compression algorithms, how many of you are gamers? Do you think you have what it takes to bring it to the Space Force? We spoke to an outstanding guardian over at the 6th Space Warning Squadron at Cape Cod Space Force Station about a little esports tournament that they have organized for local Massachusetts military members coming up in June. We learn a little bit about the event and why these guardians put it all together, and they just might be laying down the gauntlet, so be prepared to be challenged. Also in this month's Seagull, we talk with Senior Master Sergeant Shauna Hayner, 102nd Intelligence Wing Human Resource Advisor, and Miss Ellie Russo from the Coast Guard's Air Station Cape Cod about the importance of public speaking, an often loathed task that can be made so much easier through practice. It's a skill that builds confidence and can contribute to your success not only in your career, but also communicating in your personal life. Also in the program, we hear about a pretty cool innovation that's been going on over at the 212th Engineering Installation Squadron a lab where they train and prepare themselves for some of the important communications projects they routinely undertake. We spend a few minutes speaking with Miss Jill Garvin, Wing DPH, and discuss Mental Health Month in this month's five questions. We also hear from former Wing member, Captain Rusty Schweikart, Apollo 9 astronaut, who during his orbital spacewalk gained a very unique perspective on Mother Earth. We hear a clip of his remarks from his return to the wing a few years ago, with Earth Day occurring just a few weeks ago, and Mother's Day this weekend, his words have special meaning. Finally, we hear a clip from this month's Chevrons. You won't want to miss it. But first, in this month's command message, Colonel Enrique Davallo, commander of the 102nd Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance Group, talks about reasons to reflect, remember, and celebrate during this month of May. Hello, Team Otis. I'm Colonel Enrique Davallo, commander of the 102nd ISR Group and it's my privilege to provide this month's command message. As I look at the calendar, this month holds many opportunities for us to reflect, remember, and celebrate. First, let's talk about reflection. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Even after 30 years in uniform and a successful career that has put me where I am today, it's much easier to make the time to work out and prepare physically to pass an annual fitness test than exercise the discipline it takes to max perform my mental health and keep my resilience muscles in peak shape. But the reality is that I need that mental resilience much more often than my physical fitness. This month, set aside some time to reflect on how you deal with stress and look for ways where you might improve your mental health regimen. Whether you use meditation or mindfulness, don't be afraid of the M word. It's something humans have done for millennia and research has shown that just 10 minutes a day of mindful breathing is enough to generate positive outcomes. I also ask you to reflect on those around you who support you. We're recording this on the 6th of May, Military Spouse Appreciation Day. Be sure to thank your partner for their support. For me personally, I know that our family could not function through all the schedule changes, long hours, and last minute taskers if it were not for my wife's dedication and loving support. While we're on the topic of military spouses, I'd like to take a moment to publicly congratulate our very own Mrs. Angel Cummings, 
as the Massachusetts Air National Guard's nominee for the Joan Orr Spouse of the Year Award. We're extremely proud of her selection by Major General Keefe to represent all our spouses. The second thing I'd like to look at is remembrance. A clear centerpiece of May every year is Memorial Day weekend, a time to both remember and celebrate the lives of those who paid the ultimate price for their service to our nation. But there is another day I'd like to hone in on, and that's the 8th of May. This year, it happens to be Mother's Day, which hopefully you remembered. But it's also VE Day. That's Victory in Europe Day. I invite you to join me in remembering the sacrifice of our forebears, the men and women of the U.S. Army Air Corps, later the Army Air Forces, did a lot of crazy, risky things. Many aircrew did not return from their missions over Europe. No one had done the things that they did before, so they were learning by doing. Let's remember and honor them by applying General Brown's challenge to accelerate change to everything we do. Leaders at all levels, I implore you to implement mission command principles and empower your airmen. Airmen, I challenge you to find ways to do your jobs better and faster by questioning the status quo when it doesn't make sense. Innovation isn't just a buzzword. It's a part of every airman's inheritance thanks to those who have gone before, and it's the only way we'll get the job done in today's strategic competition. Finally, let's talk celebration. May is National Military Appreciation Month, and the 21st is Armed Forces Day. Yes, military service is tough. Yes, it requires sacrifice by us and our loved ones but it's also something we can all be proud of. We've raised our hands and sworn an oath that 99% of our fellow citizens will never swear. We should be proud of each other and find ways to celebrate the commitment and selflessness each of us have shown. Whether you do it as a team, unit, or just a group of friends, celebrate together and build a little camaraderie this month. This month is full of reasons to reflect, remember, and celebrate. I hope you'll join me in doing just that. Thank you for your time and have a great drill weekend. We've got Sergeant DeAndre Floyd from the Sixth Space Warning Squadron from Cape Cod Space Force Station. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about an esports tournament that you guys have organized over there. It's going to have a bunch of Massachusetts military members um, coming together to compete in uh, video games. So, what can you tell me? Welcome to the show. and. What can you tell me about the tournament? Yeah, so uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, so yeah, the the overall goal is to to try to get everybody together and um, you know just spend some time with you know our fellow brethren, right? So we have a, a bunch of people that we at least I feel like we don't know anything about. Um, you know, Otis kind of sticks with Otis. Hanscom stays up in Hanscom. Uh, no one knows anything about uh, you know Six Swiss, so. It's just an opportunity for us all to get together, uh, you know, especially coming out of COVID and, you know, everybody oh, sure. has been isolated for a really long time. It's an opportunity to, to get together and, you know, just play some video games. Yeah, so. that's cool. Um, so um, who who's invited? Um, who uh, can participants bring f friends and family to, to observe or, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, so it's, it's aimed more for the military personnel. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, everyone's invited, bring your friends, bring your family. Um, but for the actual tournament itself, um, that it has to be a military person. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're active guard reserves, uh, anybody that has, uh, you know, affiliation, affiliation with yeah. the DOD, come on out. That's great. How about uh, coast guard? 
Uh, yeah, so Coast Guard okay. can come. <laughs> All right, Coast Guard's invited Department as well. Department of Homeland yeah, Security. Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget them. Yeah, they can come on out as well. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, you've you've invited the National Guard, so there's a chance that the average age of the competition is going to creep up. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys in the Space Force uh, at all threatened by the massive amount of experience and wisdom that you're, uh, you know, potentially <laughs> going to encounter? We're we're ready to take on any challenge. Like we've already had, you know, uh, we're experienced with with change, so we're we're ready to to bring it on. Good, good. Um, so uh, let's see. Well, in in all seriousness, I think what you're doing is a great way to bring service members from the region all together. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, for some fun and some camaraderie. But, um, so, so what are the details, uh, you know, where, where is this happening? When is it happening? Okay. So it's going to be, um, be 11 June, um, up at Uptime Esports, uh, in Hanover, uh, really awesome place. So I actually yeah. went over there to kind of scope the, the area out yeah. and it's really cool. So like when you walk in, they have like a ton of like individual, stations where people can kind of just hang out and do whatever uh and then like behind that there's uh there's a, a giant stage so it's an actual like stage where okay uh, we'll have you know both sides competing uh it'll be broadcasted up on the screen okay um and then there's like a seating area where we'll have you know people can bring in food so there's going to be a food truck there so people oh, can cool. buy food um like if you do want to come out you can participate in the tournament but you can also bring your friends and play mario kart mario party or, or whatever you want to do on your own like you don't have to be a super like hardcore uh competitive gamer just come um, for the environment and, come for uh, the environment come yeah. to to cheer on your team uh come to meet some other folks you know find out what other people do um one one other question i had is uh so what what games are in play on this competition so um Currently, we have, uh, so Halo, the new one, uh, Halo Infinite, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 for our fighter guys. Uh, you, you have to put Smash Brothers in there. <laughs> we have uh, Call of Duty, Rocket League, uh, Forza 5, and Madden 22. Nice, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that's a pretty broad uh, net there, but like I said, you don't have to participate in any of these things if you want to play. So uptime, they have a ton of games. Uh, you name it, they probably have it. Mm -hmm. So you can just hang out on the other side and you know just play with your friends. No rush, no fee. Enjoy. Just come in and and just hang out. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so how can people sign up? Um, so I, I know. So I've I've received a couple emails from from a, a few folks, and uh, it seems like the uh, the URL that we have here, uh, I think a lot of people are having issues with it. Uh, so if you can't get the link to work, just show up and we'll, we'll sign you up on the spot. Great, great. What's, what's the link? So the link is uh, HTTPS colon slash slash tiny dot one slash N-E-R-G-C. Great, great. Excellent. Anything else you want to say about the uh, the the first annual esports <laughs> tournament? Um, no, I I, uh, I think we pretty much covered everything. Just yeah, we um, we're, we're still working out the prize situation, but there will be prizes. Hopefully, we can have like some some cool you know swag that people can get. 
so they can you know have that reminder of oh next year there's going to be another one so terrible towels uh, or yeah, t-shirts or right like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. We're, we're working on the shirts and um you know like uh like lanyards and, and that kind oh, of stuff cool. so that's yeah. cool and if nothing else if you don't win well you know in terms of prizes you always have bragging rights, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah there, so there may or may not be a trophy. So, <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Well, excellent. Thanks for coming in, uh, Sergeant Floyd, and uh, talking about this great event um, that yes, will sir. surely bring together the armed forces of uh, the, the Massachusetts region. Yes, sir. I've got a couple of great guests in the studio today to talk about the topic of public speaking. I'd like to welcome our subject matter experts, Senior Master Sergeant Shauna Hainer, Wing Human Resource Advisor, and Miss Ellie Rousseau from the Air Station Cape Cod. Ellie, you're officially our first U.S. Coast Guard guest on the podcast. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much, Tim. So uh, we're talking public speaking today. So I guess probably the first question I'd like to ask is, what are the benefits of public speaking? So from a... I'll first speak to that from a military being in uniform member perspective. Public speaking isn't just about getting up in a podium or a platform and conveying a message. Public speaking is about how we engage and how we convey ideas that we're trying to share with each other. So, and that's something that no matter what rank you're at or how long you've been in, you're always doing and it's something that you should be practicing because it's, it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the more you practice it, the better you get. And I think that's one of the, the misconceptions people have when we say public speaking. They think it's only if I'm doing a presentation or only if I'm um, giving a report. And it really is so much more than that. Well, I can speak from personal experience. Public speaking, if you let, uh, you know any fear creep in or any doubt creep in, you'd never be able to do what I'm doing right now, what we're doing right now and speaking because, you know, we're not just speaking to each other, we're speaking to an, a greater audience. And so, you know, having that confidence, building that confidence over repetition. Exactly. Uh, is a good thing. And then, and, and the other piece is, again, it's how you're communicating ideas, right? So when you look at public speaking, not just in a presentation, environment but when you're thinking in terms of public speaking as just conveying something to somebody who is not you so this could be in your home life this could be with your spouse this could be with your friends so any venue where you're communicating a, a idea or a thought is a form of public speaking sure. so this is something that again the more you practice it the better you get at it it's kind of like they tell you it takes time and an investment in any relationship. The same thing can be said for public speaking. Excellent, excellent. Personal speaking is something that we do with our families and our friends, but there's an opportunity for us to share ideas at work, and it's through meetings and just the simple communication, like we were saying. And we get so wrapped around public speaking and being afraid of being at a podium in a large crowd and trying to convey that thought that we don't realize that we do that public speaking every day. And it's an opportunity for us to grow, not just personally, but professionally in our careers. I mean, I wonder how many great ideas have been lost because someone was afraid to raise their hand in a board meeting. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, the confidence is key. 
right? And you don't, you're not going to have confidence unless you practice. Right. And, and I think in the formal sense of public speaking, to a point that Ellie was making, when you put that podium there or you put some other, other device there it heightens if you haven't been able to practice it it heightens the stress it heightens the anxiety and so having um, opportunities to also practice be it your supervisors or your leadership gives you an opportunity to get to the front of the room which position is another variable that can heighten anxiety where you're sitting in the room and in context to where everybody else is in the room Um, and so having the opportunity to be in different positions in a room or stand behind a podium or have a mic that you're speaking into and practicing that, I think, A, starts to help with the anxiety because you're practicing, right, and it's that muscle that we have to practice, but also, B, you get feedback on how well you conveyed your message and how well it was I understood or not understood and from that like if you're sharing your ideas and you're sharing uh your aha moments or whatever it is in in an effort to improve something then the overall group that you're trying to share that idea with if you're successful will then benefit from that well i think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about position because i can't tell you how many times i've had to I've been in a situation where I've had to address a large group of people and I go to where the speaker would stand and it's the first time I've stood there. It looks a lot different, especially when you're under stress and you're worried about how your presentation is going to go. You're worried about sounding like an idiot, perhaps. Um, And maybe you're not, maybe you haven't practiced the material. Maybe you don't know it as well as you think you do or you should. And you get up there and that's one more thing, you know, so, you know, I've learned over time to, if I can, I like to go and visit the the spot, the site earlier and stand up there and get a feel for what, what the landscape looks like. We have a lot of events over on the Coast Guard side that have an opportunity to speak publicly. Uh, One of the ones that I think about often is our retirements. And so we're getting into that retirement season. And we have various different ceremonial parts that our individuals can elect somebody to speak at, and they themselves will give a speech at the end. And it's their last moment in front of their peers, in front of their bosses, and their family to provide the thank you, the pearls of wisdom as they depart uh, to their civilian career. And I've seen numerous retirees who stood in that spot and they did not practice, and they choked. Often they forget to thank their spouse, yeah. something that is something we'd think about and we thank every day, but then when we get to that spot, we just we choke. And so being able to, like you said, stand in that spot, be able to practice your speech, and, and just relax and know that it is an opportunity to provide the thank yous, the pearls of wisdom as you depart onto your next career. Yeah. I know uh, I've never practiced in front of the mirror like a lot of people say you should. <laughs> but, um, you know, at least running through it a couple of times. Um, but, I, I, you know, the other tactic a lot of people take is they, they write their speech down. And I found that to be kind of a 
that that you'd think that would be a, a good thing to do, but it's really not. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you either of you would like to comment on that, you know, having to be being too prepared, too scripted, I suppose. Um, I, I don't I don't think necessarily it's a one size fits all. But mm-hmm. that's where the practice comes in. You figure out what works for you. There are some people that, yes, having it written down verbatim, every word that they need to say is distracting and it is counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some people who just, I just, if I have bullets for what I want to hit, that works best for me. There are some people who, are, who do great at speaking off the cuff. Right. They just go in there. They're passionate about it. They know it and they believe they know it. And then you just get up there and speak with no notes, no real preparation. However. It's that doesn't mean that any one of those things, none of those things are wrong. It's what works for you as a speaker. And so, you know, there are people that I've seen that at a retirement probably had not been thinking about what they were going to say in at retirement the entire day, the entire, you know, weekend or whatever, and get up there and they do this phenomenal make you think and self-reflect speech. Flip side of that, I've seen people who have page after page of page of notes or exactly what they're going to say, and it's there's a disconnect. So I've seen a little bit of all, and but if you're practicing public speaking – in that way, then you know what works for you. You know what's going to be a hurdle for you. Um, And what you also realize through practice is you get a chance to see, you know what, writing down bullets is not my go-to necessarily, but for a topic like this or for this audience, it works best for me. Because to your point, Tim, that position also matters, and it can change things. Uh, so I think it's more about just practicing and, and finding what works for you and then kind of growing and maturing in that. For me, it's situational. So there are times that I want to convey a thought or evoke a feeling, and I know that I have to write it verbatim. I practice the inflection of my voice. I focus and read through the speech. And while I don't have it memorized, I have all of the points there and the correct words and how I want it to sound. And then there are other times when I'm going live on Facebook or on Instagram, and it is off the cuff, and it's an opportunity to connect with my audience. So for me, I do it a myriad of ways, but it is based on the audience or the impact I'm trying to make. And I suppose, you know, probably what works best for most situations is a, is a combination of different techniques where maybe I want to try to stay as fluid as possible so I have bullets just so I make sure I hit key points. But maybe then I have a quote that I want to share and I want to get it right so I have it there in black and white on my card. Words have weight and if you present them properly... In a, you know, and, and you're confident, you can control a room, you can control a conversation. And I don't mean in a negative way. If you're trying to, like, an inf, you know, you're trying to influence a group. Well, when you're looking to speak with persuasion, you really want to think about your audience and uh, what it would take to persuade them to your feeling. 
And we see this in politics, we see this in the media, is what are those words and what are those thoughts and those experiences that you could call upon to pull their heart, to tug on their heartstrings so they would lean in your direction? And that is something that, as you're writing your speech, you would work towards, is you're not writing from your heart, but how it would pull on somebody else's to lean on the area that you're trying to uh, influence them in. Right. Like and th- that would work out whether it's uh, you're trying to get convince someone to, to, to buy savings bonds or if you're trying to um, get the big bosses to finance a project mm-hmm. that uh, is of interest to you. Um, so there, there, I can, you know, persuasive speeches, there, there are a myriad of uses for those, I would imagine. And having that tool in your toolbox it would be a benefit. Oh, absolutely. And, and the other thing is uh, being aware of your audience, who your audience is, mm-hmm. and what is important to them. So going off the example you used of, of trying to persuade your leadership to support an idea that you have when you're if you're preparing to do this persuasive speech you have your audience in mind what is going to get their attention what is something that they're going to sink their teeth into what is a way that you're going to be able to get them to support this idea and that audience and and what things are priorities to them and important to them having some insight to that helps you right and I think that's the other piece that sometimes gets missed on people is considering who your audience is uh, and, and who in terms of what kind of careers do they have, what kind of passions do they have, what is the venue that you're, that you're doing this in because long ago, you know, everybody used to say the big deals are made on the golf course. Well, if you're doing trying to persuade somebody on a golf course, that's going to look a lot different than trying to persuade somebody in, in a conference room, mm-hmm. right? right? And so being yeah. mindful of that. So And then choosing words that will accomplish what you're trying to do. So, you know, I may use a whole different set of words, pull from a different word bank for a golf course persuasive conversation or, or approach. Uh, or five-minute elevator speech, whatever it is, and use a different bank of words for I'm in a conference room and I'm doing a presentation and I'm trying to have those ooh-ah moments. Um, And there's a lot of different other types of speeches. You know, there's the persuasion. There's the um, just getting somebody... um, to see things the way you do. And that's not always a persuasive speech, right? Mm-hmm. Going for an empathetic, going for a, I want to move you. I'm not necessarily trying to persuade you to do something right here and now. I just want to move you to have you try to come a little closer to an idea that I have. I'm not asking you to do anything at this point or take any actions, but just consider what I'm saying. Um, and so that's the other piece, I think, and I think that's the underlying piece for a lot of speeches is consider what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, to you want try them to, to be thought-provoking. Absolutely. 
You know, we talk about various different areas that we that we use public speaking, but we mentioned the simple conversations. And so when you're talking about persuasion, what comes to mind is the job interview. Oh, sure. And so many of us do that, whether it's in our military career or moving on into our civilian career. And how do we be persuasive when it comes to a salary negotiation? So these skills are beyond just the current jobs or the places that we're in. And if we're not considering public speaking, the podium style, or in a boardroom or a meeting room, let's just talk about it from the current lifestyle is the opportunity to have a conversation, be persuasive. Why should I hire you? They'll ask you that question. And so you now have to be persuasive. What sets you apart from the other candidates? That's for sure. And I think about the one-minute elevator speech, you know, the pitch. Um, that isn't necessarily uh, I'm trying to sell a product. You might be The product might be you. And you don't even know when those job interviews are happening. Sometimes they, they just occur. Mm-hmm. You know, an opportunity presents itself that you didn't know was there. So it's best to be prepared. Absolutely. So um, what are some, uh, some tools or some uh, resources to improve public speaking? Um, I know books and courses and, and I hear, uh, you've worked out a Toastmasters chapter here <laughs> on Joint Base Cape Cod. Yes. So we have recently started a Toastmasters club here on Joint Base Cape Cod. It is joint. So we have members from all branches of service and our federal employees. What it is, is a great way to come together and practice all of these skills. So it is as simple as being able to effectively plan a meeting, run a meeting, speak off the cuff, mm-hmm. present speeches, and then get that valuable feedback. From peers, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and Toastmasters uh, allows for it to be a, what we sometimes call a safe space. There's mm-hmm. no judgment. There's no high stakes. So when you're in those boardrooms or at an interview, there's a high stake, right? It's, it's a, the, the audience that you're engaging with, that you're, in, yeah, that you're engaging with, if they don't buy in, if they don't like it, if they don't like those choice of words or, or the, uh, the emotions on your face, you, at the end, the, it's a lose for you, right? Whereas Toastmasters, there is not really judgment. It's feedback. It's helping you to develop, helping you to grow. But there is no, oh, sorry, didn't impress us enough. You're not getting this job. Or, oh, sorry, <laughs> didn't impress us enough. We're not going with your idea. So it gives you a chance to kind of practice those things out. Um, often people will come um, at at the appropriate level with the information and the data and say, I have this thing coming up and I'd like to just kind of practice here, right? And and as I was saying before, it's it's a thing that you, a skill set you must practice, you must practice. And so Toastmasters provides an opportunity for you to practice something that's really coming up in your life to get good feedback, constructive feedback to help you improve it and make it better. The other thing about Toastmasters that I think sometimes people don't realize the value of it is you also learn how to give feedback. Because mm. I think that's a skill set that no matter what area you're in, no matter what you're doing in life, is 
under-practiced. And, and often we're like, especially in the military, we have our EPRs. you got to give feedback. you got to fee- give feedback, you know. And, and the civilian side mm-hmm. has, has these feedback and assessments and what are your goals and what are you trying to accomplish for the year. And generally speaking, that is the only time we practice. That is the only time we do it. It's not even that. And that's not a practice time. That's a time that this is not practice. This is there are stakes, high stakes involved. And so Toastmasters gives you an opportunity to learn how to provide constructive feedback to somebody. And you're practicing that skill set. So in addition to running a meeting, leading a meeting, planning and scheduling and, and all of those other things that feedback component I think is also very vital. We provide the sandwich method. So it is what you did well, your areas for improvement, and then another pearl of what went well. So it is improvement sandwiched between positivity. And so at the end of your opportunity, you felt like you did a great job. You got those areas that need improvement, but overall you feel good about what you just did. And that helps you build that confidence and be ready for the next role, the next step, or that real life experience. And you've conquered a couple of hurdles in the process. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. How does, uh, how would uh, someone um, reach out, uh, find out more about uh, Toastmasters here, the Joint Base Cape Cod? Perfect. We have our VP of membership. Uh, They can be emailed at volumetoastmasters at gmail.com. So if you shoot an email over, we can connect. Our meetings are the first and third Wednesdays from 1130 to 1230. So during that lunchtime period. Oh, great. Great. The key thing is everybody has room for improvement. There's always there's always skill sets that you can work on and grow. Even some of the best public speakers I've heard uh, or, or people that I've been, had the opportunity of hearing as they're speaking or giving a presentation, some of, some of those people I've engaged with over the years have been members and have continually invest in growing those skill sets by doing classes buy reading books. They don't just go, oh, I've arrived, because there's never a point of, I've arrived, I'm I'm finally here. There's always, how can I improve? How can I convey my message differently? Um, a self-reflection piece and, and a, an assessment piece that happens. And I think that's, it's that aspiration that continues to, to go forward, right? And so I think things like Toastmasters is a great place to practice and it helps you sharpen Mm -hmm. that skill. I'll say for the last two years, the disconnect of humanity and just not being connected to people that having a group of like-minded individuals who are working on their own personal growth, professional growth has provided an opportunity for networking. And just to speak to people and hear new thoughts and new ideas and be able to convey those and and grow as individuals and as leaders in our organization has been huge. I have missed out on being in meetings. And two years ago, you would have heard me say, if you wanted to get nothing done, go to a meeting. It is an hour of time suck that you'll never get back. 
And now I just, I miss the opportunity of connecting. And so having this outlet has been an opportunity for me to really be able to meet new people and just be one-on-one face-to-face. And we haven't had that. Well, one of the things uh, that drives me nuts in meetings is when you have someone who is controlling, you know, the meeting or, or is a featured speaker at the meeting and they go into that meandering mode where you know it's five minutes of content, but it takes 30 minutes to get through. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I got stuff to do in the office. So, like, being able to organize and plan out a meeting and, you know, having the confidence to hit the points, um, but to stay focused and, and hit, you know, all your talking points and just get the content out there, you know, concisely and, and quickly. Sounds like a... Um, a great resource to to help with those types of issues. I agree. We see and have seen prior to having this exercise is meetings without an agenda. And when you don't have an agenda, there's no point. And so the exercise of the agenda and who's going to speak and the time in each of the sections is just so valuable. It's valuable use of everybody's time that is around the table. And in addition to that, um, the time segment, so, and to the point, you know, you made him about the person who just kind of talks on and on and on. Toastmaster provides framework. And you realize how much you can say in five minutes. You realize how much you can say in a seven-minute speech. Mm -hmm. And that you don't need, in order to convey the ideas that you want to share, 30 minutes to say it. Right. So it's a good practice at time management, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, so as an example of, of what an evaluation might look like, it would be something like, did you, whatever you set out as your goal, because you have to title your speech, and so whatever you set out as your goal for that speech you're given, giving, um, what were the key takeaways? And then... Things like, and this is something I've I've been able to be in the uh, in the audience for, is when a person is trying to put together their thoughts and they use uh, interruptum words like um ah, and so you know or whatever whatever their default word is while they're trying to process their thoughts and to and or things like Toastmasters provides that feedback, like, hey, I don't know if you realize, when you're trying to put your thoughts together, <laughs> you say, okay, you know, and, and some other people are like, I never thought about that. So, because you're using that, and all of a sudden, your seven-minute speech becomes a 10-minute speech, because you've said okay for half of your speech while you're trying to get your thoughts together. So, things like that are definitely also great reasons to participate, or to you know, to check out, and that's the other thing is that you don't have to be a member to attend, right, Ellie? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can just pop in and, and see if it's something that's worth your time. It may or may not be, but you you do have you're afforded the opportunity if you would like to just attend a meeting. You don't have to do membership or join. So that's kind of like going before you're going to give a speech and you go and stand in the front of the room. Exactly. Kind of the same thing, right? Exactly. Go, go scope it out. <laughs> See if it's for you. 
Excellent. Well, thank you both for coming in. And uh, it's been great talking about public speaking. And uh, we'll have to have you on again in the future. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, the idea started a couple of years ago with um, Major Bigelow, and he was trying to fulfill a training deficit here. Um, utilizing our, our warehouse, he identified um, that we could actually create our own training lab. So in the past, we used to go off base to uh, various locations to conduct the training, uh, but by creating our own uh, indoor uh, training lab here, it saved resources and then also saved time as well, so we didn't have to drive to and from different sites. We'll tie in our engineering department also on this, and what they'll do is they'll build a small project package, be able to give that to, let's say, a young airman and a couple of troops with him, and he could take that package and run some cabling, some wire, some fiber, whatever that may entitle, install it, uh, more like a temporary type of thing in which he can test it. We could possibly put faults in it where they'd have to fix it, and this would be a condensed version that they could be done, let's say, on a drill weekend. Here we're able to practice everything offline with actually impacting live missions. So when we go out to actually do it, uh, a full install, a full project, we're able to, uh, to bring the project um, online faster uh, since our airmen have already practiced similar scenarios here. I think uh, in a big way that's how a lot of people learn and they learn kind of quickly. Some people, you know, have to kind of touch the stove to know what hot is, right, from time to time. And if we're able to control that in a training environment, then we're able to expose them to what can go wrong, but in a safe manner, right? And we don't have to worry about wasting days or dollars or time out there. And so when we're able to create those mistakes here and have them learn from them here, hopefully when they encounter them out there, it's just a small blip versus a, you know, a, a stopping point for them. This indoor training lab, as is, is we, we've talked, we've talked about this for years, wanting it. What we did is some of the senior leaders got together, got together with our engineering department and tried to come up with some uh, different needs that we would have for this. And then it was actually designed by Major Bigelow. Uh, it first started at the flight level and then worked its way up through our squadron and through our group leadership here. It goes through um, ArcWorks. It's the uh, air reserve component. Of a part of a program that uh, strives to innovate different processes throughout the, uh, the uh, air, reserve, air reserve component. Basically, if there's a way to enable their airmen to be more efficient and more productive, um, it's, it's a program that helps source funds to, to make those ideas uh, a reality. Well, I think it, it gives them the impression that you know, people above are, are hearing them, right? Because at some point, even when, you know, I was an airman way back when, we would always come up with ideas and say, you know, it would be better if we were able to train more, if there was a better way of training, if we could do this in a different way. And, you know, a lot of times you'd have people say, well, that's a, that's a good idea, and that's kind of where the idea would die. But now we're beginning to see that a lot more of that is being heard, people listening to that feedback. And because of that, um, these sorts of things are now beginning to happen. So the impact here is that uh, not only the airmen are going to be able to get training here using it going forward, but they were also part of the building of it, the construction of it, so they're able to take pride in it. You know what I mean? It's not just something that they're going to use, it's theirs. Uh, the innovation programs definitely empower our airmen. Uh, because they're the ones out there on a daily basis doing the projects, doing the installations. Uh, so that coupled with uh, 
our civilian counterparts in, within the telecommunications world, um, who many of our airmen work for uh, on their Monday to Friday job, they're able to bring some of those good practices here, uh, submit them through the innovation program to actually get them uh, implemented. You know, being able to use the innovation funds to build something like this is, you know, I really believe will go a long way. It's been a group effort from everybody in the squadron. It's, it's actually been a, it's been a great project. Welcome to Five Questions, where we get to the point and learn as much as we can in a short amount of time about topics that have an impact on our lives and careers, as well as the mission of the wing. I'd like to welcome Ms. Jill Garvin to the program today. Jill is the Wing Director of Psychological Health. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so that will be our topic today. Welcome to the program, Jill. Are you ready for five questions? I am. Hit me up. All right. Question number one. Personal wellness is such an important thing for everyone. Many people won't hesitate with eating right, staying fit, or sleeping enough. Why do you think mental health sometimes gets left behind? I think mental health gets left behind because of stigma that is still out there. Um, this thought that I should be able to handle it myself. I shouldn't have to get outside help. We think that maybe we are weak if we can't handle it on our own. And I also think it has to do with the culture that we grew up in. If, you know, our culture or our parents kind of taught us that you don't talk about your problems or you don't get help, uh, all of those things kind of factor into it. But really just a lot of fear, a lot of fear around asking for help. Great. Question number two, seeking mental health support or care still has a stigma, like you said, especially when it comes to serving in the military. Can you dispel some of the misnomers related to the documentation of mental health care as it relates to, say, a security clearance? Yes. So a lot of people, even though I, I talk about this at the wing and I'll send out information around what's reportable or what, or what might impact your clearance, people still have that fear. I have heard people say that even recently that they thought if they came to see the DPH that it could impact their clearance. So when when uh, you do fill out the SF-86, the question will ask you if you've ever had treatment and um, what you report on there is if you have been hospitalized if you have um, been diagnosed with a mental health disorder such as schizophrenia or bipolar or personality disorder, things are a lot more extreme that really do impact your daily living and obviously would impact your military career. Um, those are the things that they are looking for. Uh, you do not have to report if you just go and see an outside therapist, if you come and see the DPH, uh, anything like that. It, it's more if you've been hospitalized or you have a really severe mental health illness. And less than 1% that do have an impact on their career because of a mental health condition or because of treatment, it's usually a combination of things. It's, it's not just the, the mental health um, diagnosis. It's because of a, of a range of things. Okay, question number three. Uh, perhaps one of the most needed or used resources 
is for marriage counseling or family therapy. Does this type of care need to be recorded or documented anywhere? I'm kind of referring to the security clearances again. No, it does not. Again, that is therapy. And, and I mean, sometimes the words get confusing. Yeah, when you see a therapist, you're in treatment, or you see in a marriage therapist, you're in treatment. But it isn't the same as being... Um, uh, you know, mandated by a judge to go and get inpatient treatment, or, um, or, 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 like I described before, the other mental health um, diagnoses. So even family therapy that does not have to be documented. And let me say that even if, even if you do get inpatient hospitalization, or you are going through something, you're in a crisis, or say you're feeling suicidal, uh, even if you do report that on that question, that does not mean it will impact your career. What they look for is that you're looking for help, you're following through with the recommendations that treatment is working, that you're recovering. Again, reporting that does not mean it's going to impact your career or your clearance. Great. Uh, Question number four. What if someone doesn't think that they need to seek professional care, but they still might be a bit out of sorts? What types of tools or tactics might you recommend for someone to shake off some of the stressors of the daily grind? That's a great great question, um, because I don't think that therapy is for everybody. I mean, just because that's what I do, I don't think that it's the only thing that that's going to help someone that's in you know that needs some support or like you said that's just in a bit of disarray uh there are so many different things out there such as um getting involved in in groups which can really help with connections so say you're going through a divorce finding a divorce group or you're dealing with maybe addiction in your family or your spouse's addiction they're or 12-step groups for just about everything, and that's great community, and it also gives you tools and frameworks uh, to, to work on. Um, but, or, or getting in touch with, if you're a creative person, finding classes. I mean, really, when it comes to mental health or even suicide prevention, connection is just really important. There's life coaches, is you know, somebody that... Uh, especially in the military, you know, a lot of people really like directions and something that's very clear. And and even uh, looking at a life coach that isn't therapy, but it's okay. What are the what are the goals that you have? How can we achieve them? I mean, that might even be a different route for somebody. But really, just connecting and and looking for something that resonates with you that's going to give you um, so, some support and definitely not isolating. Excellent. All right. Question number five. Uh, given that this is Mental Health Awareness Month and it's such an important topic. Um, I'm going to leave this question kind of open-ended. Uh, um, what do you think everyone or anyone should take away from um, this segment? And uh, what, what do you want folks to really know about mental health and in general? I think like uh, your, your first question about when we're sick, we, we go to the doctor. If we need to take medication for high blood pressure, we do that but we're still really resistant to 
seeking help and not just getting a therapist. Like I said, that's not necessarily the answer for everyone, but at least communicating and letting your social support know if you're if you're really struggling. I just want to encourage people to just let somebody know, you know, a, a safe person, a supportive person. And again, there are a lot of different things that are out there that are really supportive for the military. Of course, you always hear us talk about Military One Source and the Vet Center and even Military One Source they even have like a coaching program for couples that are struggling, you know, so it's a little different from, from therapy. But I, I guess I also, the only way that we're going to reduce stigma just in society and, and in the military is by letting people know what we're going through. Uh, I have sought out help for myself when I've had situational stress. I lost my father a couple years ago, and I sought out a therapist for that. There was just a lot of, a lot of grief and a lot of loss. Um, of course, I'm a little more comfortable doing that because of what I do, but I think it's also important that we share with each other, like, hey, I got help too. I went and saw a therapist, or I went and talked to a life coach, or I went and talked to the chaplain or a minister or a spiritual mentor. So I guess what I would just say is just don't keep things to yourself and really try to connect. And I think we also have a lot of fear of rejection or what if it won't work or what if I'm judged. You know what? Who cares? It's about your mental health take care of you, put that first, just like you do your physical health, because it is all one thing, you know, our physical and mental health is all connected. Today, um, earlier I signed up, I just saw something on Facebook, Uh, it was a life coach, she was offering a free breathwork session, and I just thought, well, why not, like I've got a lot of anxiety, I'm really busy right now, so try something new. Like, if you don't want to try therapy, uh, try something different. Try getting involved in something in your community or group. And call me because I'm always happy to find you something. If you don't want to talk to me and you just want resources, I will help you. That's great. That's great advice. Uh, As far as uh, seeking help, I think um, if we want to normalize these lines of communication as a society and take away the stigma, we need to start getting more comfortable personally communicating. Right. And uh, the stigma will fall eventually, I believe. Yeah. And I've seen leadership do that, you know, uh, here at the 102nd where they've shared with people, hey, it's okay. I I have anxiety or I went through a divorce Mm -hmm. and I had to get counseling. Like that's we need to hear that from leadership too. And I think we're doing a good job with that here. That's great. That's great. So um, anything else you want to add, Jill? Nope. Just, uh, yeah, please reach out if I can do anything for you or your family and just know that you're not alone and I'm honored to, to listen or to help you in your journey in any way. How can folks reach out to you if they have questions? Or need advice. I'm in the global, and you can also reach me by my cell, which is 508-237-6652, uh, SharePoint. But yeah, uh, feel free to send me a text or give me a call, and I'll be glad to help. 
or even drop by the uh, Zenden, right? Please come by the Zenden. I love having company. I love people visiting and feeling relaxed and offering you some water or coffee or tea and just to come and hang out and talk. It's been a great way to connect with people having our new Zenden space. And if you haven't heard of the Zenden, uh, go back to last month's episode, episode 10, and we did a nice little interview with Jill and Aaron from the Airmen and Family Readiness Center. And they talked about the Zen Den. It's a great place. Thank Excellent. you. Thank yeah, you, and Jill. we're doing some things throughout the month that I'm sending some emails out around doing some like meditation groups in the afternoon. So be on the lookout for that. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Glad to be here. And all of a sudden, shockingly, I mean, literally, it was a shock to them when up over the horizon came the earth. Beautiful, blue and white, colorful, and suddenly for the first time in history, humanity realized what it was all about. We are the creation of the universe here in this small corner of the university that we occupy. And we're the only life that we know about, for that matter, in the universe, but certainly here in our little corner of the universe. They, with their own eyes, saw that beautiful Earth and recognized the Earth as Mother Earth. And we, humanity, intelligence, life, being born out of that non-human mother. And I, I, I look back at that, and as far as I'm concerned, that was the moment of what I call cosmic birth. That was the moment that life first moved out of the mother, that was the moment where, as in human life, there forms a two-way relationship. No longer a fetus being supported by the mother, but now a life independent of the mother. The development of love, and think about the environmental movement that started at that time. Think about the whole birthing process of the fetus demanding more and more energy and material to support its growth, creating more and more waste, and the mother having to process it. There are good analogies there. We adopt them in our whole environmental process. But love has become now a two-way process. And the next thing that follows on that love, that love relationship that we have now with the planet, is responsibility. We all assume in our own way some responsibility for our mothers. And here we are celebrating 50 years of human eyes first seeing and recognizing, and to some extent, still in the process of acknowledging that responsibility, which is intrinsic in the understanding that we are the only life in our corner of the universe. And this evolutionary process in which we're a part will continue and we now with the power that we have ourselves our brains the machines that we create are responsible for the continued evolution of life out of mother earth that's what apollo was all about it wasn't rusty schweikart or neil armstrong or anybody else it wasn't the apollo 9 mission or the apollo 11 mission it was that moment in time that will be remembered 
10,000 years from now, 100,000 years from now, with a little bit of luck and responsibility lived, uh, we're going to see that there is life that we were part of here. This unique moment when that life first emerged out of this Mother Earth, this beautiful Earth that we celebrate here today. Before we go, here's a preview of our other podcast, Chevrons. From junior enlisted to senior leaders and those in between, we interview notable individuals to address everyday challenges and hurdles the enlisted force faces. Featured on this episode are Chief Master Sergeant Alex Gross, the Total Force Awareness Manager with the Air Force Directorate of Staff Integration at the Pentagon, and Staff Sergeant Julianne Sharon, an intelligence analyst at the 104th Fighter Wing at Barnes Air National Guard Base, Massachusetts. They share their firsthand experiences becoming and developing multi-capable airmen and advise on how integrating the Air Force components can help us better accomplish the mission. So critical thinking and then problem solving is definitely high up there, but personally for me, it's going to be how to tackle big tactical problems. And that's because a lot of people just look at a problem and like, oh my God, like, that's a lot of things that we're going to have to work through. Like, I don't know if we can do it, guys. Whereas how I perceive that tactical problem is, all right, looks like we got to take step by step until we eventually achieve or solve that tactical problem. And when you take it in bite-sized chunks, it ends up feeding into the holistic picture, which means you come out stronger and better on the other end. So that's so how I think it. <laughs> I say it all the time. And, you know, enlisted professional development doesn't just create better airmen, it creates better people. And Chief Gross, kind of the same question, but you have a lot more time in the military than uh, Staff Sergeant Sharon. So how has the worth of staying in the military changed for you over the years? That's that's a good question. Uh, before I jump into that, I, I want to touch on something that, that Sergeant Sharon said uh, is regarding you know how daunting going to weapons school was and how you kind of just said, you know what? I'm going to push forward. I'm, I'm going to do it anyway and see what happens. That's huge, right? That that is, um, and it goes into the goes into what you were talking about. The question that you just asked, Ali, is, you know, just showing up and 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 putting your name in the hat and and being required to be told no is a massive um, boon to your career. It, it it can benefit you in so many ways. Um, and if and if your peers were to do the same, everybody would be moving moving forward in, in such a, 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 a not necessarily as quickly, but certainly in uh, moving forward in their in their careers. Because so many times I talk to airmen that are not pushing is because they're afraid. They're 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 fear whether it's NCOA or ALS or senior NCOA, they don't even want to push forward with that because they're they're afraid. And I think that just that mentality of I'm going to go after it and uh and see what happens works uh works wonder thanks for listening to the seagull with may comes memorial day take a moment and think about those who came before us and paid the ultimate price for our freedoms and of course mother's day is this sunday make sure you thank her you know you were a handful my mother listens to this podcast so here it goes thanks mom For more news from the 102nd Intelligence Wing, visit our website at www.102iw.ang.af.mil slash links or search for 102iw on any major social media platform. 